This is episode 79 of Cooldown Time, a weekly show about gaming's best and bootiest. I'm your technical mess of a host, Pablo, and joining me is my co-host, the graphically impressive Marco. What's going on, bro? Man. How has your day gone? It's been all right, man, but uh, kind of overwhelming with all the new games that have come out, man, and it's it's going to get worse from here, so I'm, my wallet is... is is on the struggle right now, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it together because a lot of good stuff that I want to play, but lots of stuff we already have to talk about this week. So, looking forward to this show, man. Yeah, it's funny because I I think I texted this to you. Uh, is I feel like this holiday season or this like fall season feels like the first time in a long time in many years mm-hmm. where I, I have like that old kind of feeling about playing games because I have very very specific like memories about playing call of duty during thanksgiving and it being like black ops and it like that really resonating with me in terms of like gaming during that time and we'll talk about call of duty here today but i'm getting kind of the same vibes from that game and everything else that's coming out it, it just everything is of quality uh and it's like it's a problem for me a person yes. who plays anything and <laughs> imagine playing games that are actually good. It's a real problem uh, for my ADHD because I'm like, I'll play a little bit called I'll play later. I'll play both at the same time. <laughs> but uh, Pablo's gaming habits, if there was such a thing as like like the NFL red zone where you can just watch multiple games on the same screen and Pablo can do that, he would do that a hundred percent. Yeah, probably. I just it just kind of like it, honestly, I have uh horribly undiagnosed probably ADHD and I just cannot sit still unless the game is is engaging and honestly these three games specifically that we talk about today are really like it's hard to, to peel myself off of 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 the game just to get into something else because they are so fucking good but we'll get into that because in this episode we're going to be discussing a roundup of all those games I just talked about and more Silent Hill's Huge comeback. That's <laughs> huge with a Y. Huge. And our takes on the Bayonetta 3 controversy, uh, which that's a bummer. And much, much more. But before we begin, Marco's going to tell you how to support our beautiful, delicious, delectable podcast. Oh, I didn't know we were delicious, but okay. I don't mind that. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy Cooldown Time and Pablo's manic hosting skills, <laughs> give our show a sub. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even our official website at cooldowntime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on IG or Twitter at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. So, Pablo, with that out of the way, I think it's time to get the show started, man. Well, let's dive right into a very, very heavy loadouts, and that starts right now. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Marco. We got a plethora of oh, games. Oh, not a plethora. <laughs> uh, uh, a whole ass plot and thora all over this bitch. Oh. Uh, we're going to start. How with, did you make you know, plethora sound nasty? How did you do that? I That's... got skills, man. I got okay. skills and they're uh, multiplying. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> God, I went grease on that? God damn. You are greasy. Anyway, let, <laughs> let's start off with uh, probably the most divisive game in the history of video games, and that's Call of Duty. Which uh, is releasing next week, 
uh, with their Modern Warfare 2, not to be confused with Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is the early <laughs> access campaign. If you pre-ordered this game, you got access to the campaign super early, which I think is super smart because it gets people out of the way because uh, campaigns usually get pretty much abandoned once that multiplayer kicks in. So we're going to talk here about the... Uh, the the campaign here marco why don't you go ahead and kick us off and give us your impressions on call of duty modern warfare 2 not to be mistaken with modern warfare 2 exactly you definitely don't want to, i mean how could you get those two mixed up honestly uh, how could you um, moronic yeah so first of all i um i had zero intentions of getting this game uh back mm. when the beta came out for the multiplayer i uh, came on the show and i said you know i'm really not a big fan of how this felt um but i think you know and I, I, I kind of have to blame Overwatch 2 for this because I was really expecting most of my multiplayer itch to be shared between Splatoon 3 and Overwatch 2. And Splatoon 3, I, I still come back to. But Overwatch yeah. 2, um, you know, as of a couple days ago, I just kind of bounced off of it. And I told Pablo, I just can't, can't do kidding. it anymore, man. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't want to get back into that again because we talked about it for like two weeks straight. But it's yeah, just... Yeah. it. It's too drab and, and boring for me at this point, um, and I, I wanted something new. So, now, in a way, real, real I, I, quick, okay, on, uh, just a little pin, on, a little side note there. I understand Marco because Marco plays support character, and I will say this: I played the uh, D, uh, DPS, and I am in love with Overwatch too. It's absolutely incredible, but I could not for the lo- for the love. I just couldn't do it. Play support <laughs> character in this game because it is it's super unappreciated man. and yeah. it is and it is really 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 hard to play. I mean, I it, it's I get it. Marco, yeah. I I get it, sir. I get it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in Modern Warfare 2, nobody needs healing, you know? So, <laughs> hey, why not? But so I ended up deciding to go ahead and pick up the game. Uh, I think I want to say I'm probably at the halfway point of the campaign. I believe it's like a six hour long experience. Um, I have to say it started off in my book pretty poor. I thought the first three or four missions to me were abnormally short and just weirdly designed in a way that really kind of turned me off pretty fast. The, the first mission is use binoculars and then pilot a missile. <laughs> then the second mission yeah. is is more in line with what I thought. And then it goes into this terrible stealth mission where you're kind of swimming underwater. And it's just like you get spotted by one person and everybody suddenly knows where you are. So it was one of those types of things. And I just, I had the worst time with that. Um, but I pushed through and I got to around the halfway point. And I have to say it has picked up in its stride a lot more now. And I'm really hoping that it keeps this momentum going throughout the rest of the campaign because I think it's really well done at at this stage now because now things are starting to get mapped out as far as like, um, you know, what's going on plot wise, even though it's still kind of that same meandering, you know, uh, Middle Eastern terrorist storyline, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it hasn't it's really, that. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't done much different there, but at least I, I kind of have a, a, an understanding of what's going on and I feel like I'm getting into a better rhythm with the gameplay now. Um, but I still think, you know, it's, it's been a little spotty at times, but I do say I'm, I'm kind of coming around. I, I, I am coming around to it now. Um, yeah. Presentation-wise, I think it's a really good-looking game. However, it does have some bugs and technical issues right now. Pop-in is really bad. I ran into a few weird bugs where a whole patrol boat was under the sea, uh, and I'm oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like looking all over the place for it, and I can hear the motor, and it's like, I don't know where this is, and I find it under the water, and uh, you know, 
I go shoot it, and then it's like, you're leaving the mission area. I'm like, oh, great. So it, there's a lot of wonkiness that I think are, you know should hopefully get ironed out soon. Um, but I, I have to say, so far, it's been a pretty solid game. Um, I, I don't have any glaring complaints other than the first three or four chapters. But yeah. um, uh, so far, so good, I, I think I can safely say. Yeah, um, I... I- I um I agree with you know the latter portion of that in terms of it being cuz I wasn't I was in it from the beginning. I my thing is is this kind of feels like the Avengers of the Call of Duty characters because you know you have Soap, you have uh, Price, you have Gaz, you have Ghost even. And so like it, all those missions felt like small introductions to each of those characters and that's probably why they felt so short. I I do think that those first missions were kind of like okay it was super weird because it's the one with price is like you sneak in and then you go into this little boat and there's like mm-hmm. and then that's it you pick up the it's a, it's weirdly short um so i do agree with that but i i think that graphically this is really impressive looking game um you know I, it's it's call of duty always looks good um so this is not surprising it's just that you know now I'm starting to see a little bit of the next generation uh, of consoles, and, and this there's a lot of that here when you're like, okay, I I I'm seeing the especially with the cutscenes and, and and kind of the facial animation stuff like that. That stuff is pretty good. Um, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's a Call of Duty, the shooter, so you know how it feels. You don't we don't have to talk much about that. We know you know what you're getting there. I agree with the story. The story. The only thing I will say that I actually do like, and, and I've I seen online people kind of not like this, is that it's a methodic. It's like methodical methodically paced it's much more in line with i guess i would say splinter cell in that it's more about espionage rather than the bombast of the previous ones which i like for example vanguard, i would say more like rainbow sexy kind of thing. okay yeah more rainbow so six stealth yeah because it like vanguard for example starts off with you're like it's like inglorious bastards you're, you're literally on a speeding train shooting up the entire uh regiment of of nazi soldiers like that kind of stuff is it has its place within call of duty but i like the dichotomy between the military shooter kind of it being a lot more methodically paced than being the inglorious bastard squint tarantino kind of thing which i like both i I think both have their place and i like it uh so this is kind of a a really good example of the call of duty 4 military shooter that where this all kind of came to be and i like that callback to 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 a lot of that so I, i i really like it i think that it is for me probably one of the best campaigns that i've played on call of duty in a long time at least for me in terms of being like engaged because all the other ones i've i've not finished a call of duty campaign in a long time and it just kind of fell off and they're easy finishes like it's you sit through it and, and it's really uh inoffensive in a lot of ways unless you're playing ghost mm-hmm. uh it's inoffensive and, and funny enough i beat ghost but uh it but the you know the weird thing about that is just i just i haven't finished it just it just never felt like a good time and i'm really having a great time uh with this like Lamarco said presentation is excellent um i'm really having a good time with, with what uh with what they're doing here with modern warfare too it's, now it's cinematically it's it's very movie like it's it's yeah. cut like a movie and and i the uncanny valley is it's it's yeah it's real <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's true. I, the facial animation, I think, all looks really good. But, yeah, and also the voice acting, mm-hmm. w- especially when they use uh, the Spanish actors. They're real Hispanic actors, and it's not that Spanish. If you're a Spanish speaker, you hear these games talking Spanish, and you don't obviously. Yeah, like anybody who played like uh, Resident Evil Four, and you hear the guys going "cojelo, cabrón." Those guys are not Spanish speakers. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they know those words. That's all they're saying. It's so bad. But this is like, it's. It's like you said, cinematically cut. It feels like an episode of Narcos at times. Mm-hmm. But yes, because of the, we still haven't figured out the eyes 
you know a little there, bit there's weird a lot but of that. it's okay yeah there's a little bit weird here and there um and yeah. so i i i think sound wise the game is excellent but there are moments in the cutscenes where it sounds like they're recording inside of like a like a tuna mm-hmm. fish can it's probably because i wouldn't be surprised if this was like put together during the pandemic yeah um yeah just to kind of you know, get keep the ball rolling, but maybe it wasn't ideal recording situations for a while or something. Yeah, it, it's entirely there's possible. Variations, especially with the voice acting, where mm-hmm. it, it's like excellent to like. Are they recording in a bathtub? Like, what's happening? <laughs> it's it's so weird. But other than that, yeah, I think this is an. If you're a Call of Duty uh, fan or like a fair weather fan, a fan that picks up every other Call of Duty or every once in a while. So far, and if you enjoy the campaigns, I would say this is a hard recommend for me. Uh, there's a lot to be d- mm-hmm. said here in terms of what multiplayer brings. I like the beta. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, but we'll see what the actual final product is. Uh, yeah. And if we get into it, um, then we'll be talking a little bit more next week, perhaps, or the week after, about our, our experiences with Water Warfare, the uh, multiplayer portion of it. Yeah, yeah. We'll um, definitely catch up about that. I will say, yeah. though, um, as a... As somebody that's kind of in that fair weather camp of Call of Duty, I, I'm I'm more of a Black Ops person at the end of the day. But I will say, and I told you this yeah. offline, um, I think one of the missions in this game might, might be my favorite in all of Call of Duty. Um, it happens right at the middle of the, of, of the campaign. It is very good. It's a very long mission, but it is extraordinarily well done. Um, and I, I was just kind of in awe of how much I really enjoyed it. So um, it definitely has some some bright spots. And I think in the end, I wouldn't be mad if people would say it's like in their top five campaigns. Um, but I, I could also see why people would prefer um, more bombastic Modern yeah. Warfare oh, campaigns yeah. because this is extremely subdued and, and I wouldn't say it's tame but but there are times when it feels like it's trying to be too cute with like the tactical stuff and it just doesn't let you kind of go all out enough sometimes and I I, yeah, I, I think I later in, later in the game it lets you kind of it, it loosens the grip a little bit and lets you kind of have more more of an all out war but it's still never as bombastic as you're used to. So take that for what you will, uh, for those of you that are listening. You might right, like that, right. you might not. It, it's it's going to depend on your taste. Yeah, because Call of Duty has gone away from kind of the Call of Duty 4 stuff and has really leaned into the bombast, which honestly, people yeah. people hate it, people love it. I, I, I think whatever serves a story, and I think that they've told good stories. Like Vanguard was a pretty cool story. Uh but I I do like this. I, I it just reminds me maybe because of our age and when we actually started playing Call of Duty and this kind of reminds me a lot of that. Even Call of Duty Two with World War Two, uh, uh, World War Two, where it was kind of like, even though it was in that setting, it still felt a little methodical in terms of it. Maybe because that's a, a technical issue, they couldn't really have you go all out like they mm-hmm. did with Part Three. But uh, I, I'm enjoying. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it for what it is. Plus, it's like you know you can only you can only bomb so many national monuments you know what i mean like oh now the statue of liberty is coming down and now the you know mount rushmore is getting detonated like you know you can only come up with it's like it's like what saints row runs into of like we've already done it all so now let's we have to we have to go back and chill out a little bit Um, i mean look at one point we were fighting robots and yeah we're in space i mean we're flying in space like this wasn't too long ago i will say i I, I thought those games Huh? I like that. I liked I liked Infinite Warfare a lot. 
I was gonna say, <laughs> although I did, I really like that. I think I think Call of Duty is a special kind of franchise because it could be a lot of things mm-hmm. and still be Call of Duty. It's yeah. it's one of those rare franchises where it's like undoubtedly what it is and it's DNA, but it can do different things. Uh, yeah, and uh, I I think that's really cool. Um, I have I, I think have, it's easy. I have a question for you. I have a question okay. for you. I don't want to break your stride, though. You got anything else you want to... No, I, I just think okay. it's an easy franchise to make fun of. But I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. uh, when it when it hits, nobody does set pieces like Call of Duty. Nobody. So oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Pretty dope. What's up? What's now, your let, question? Let's, let's wrap up this with, with a little on-the-fly audible here. Um, cool. I would like to know um, your... And, and it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but your three favorite Call of Duty campaigns that you've ever yeah, played. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Black Ops, World at War, and Call of Duty Four. Okay, not too different yeah. than mine. Um, yeah, yeah. Mine is Black Ops One. It's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, War. Cold War. I actually really liked, and I liked okay. Infinite Warfare yeah. as well. That was probably that. Yeah. That it used to be World at War, but I, 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 Infinite Warfare to me just it it scratched that sci-fi itch in a way I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it to and I really liked the open-ended mission structure too as oh, well yeah, yeah. it was a lot of people hated it because it was like it felt like Call of Duty was jumping the shark and technically it was but that was a really well-made game I have to I say I thought it felt it's good it felt like Crisis meets Call of Duty and I bit, love Crisis shooting a little bit of so Titanfall cool. in there too and we, it had Jon Snow right That's yeah it did. it did it had it had yeah. <laughs> Kit Harrington. Uh, <laughs> Kit Harrington. Yeah. What, why that game flopped, I think, is because it was, it was doing too much with the multiplayer, with all the sci-fi stuff, and it right. just felt too right. unnatural. Now, like, people are, you know, jetpacking all over the sky. It, 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 got, it got a little too aerial Dude, for, for yeah, my comfort. It got it's a little too everything. I remember just, like, chilling in the water and then somebody coming up and shooting me from, like, swimming underwater. I'm like, well, I can't. <laughs> there's no respite. Like, it is insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those are – so those are uh, – uh, good question. I like this, but yeah, I, those are my top three all time. And okay. uh, not too different. Yeah, we'll see there. what this does in terms of if it makes any any uh, jump towards the top three for me. But yeah, so we're also playing another game. Mm-hmm. By the way, are you done with with Call? Of Duty? I'm You're, done. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, yeah. So we're playing a game, um, and that's uh, the sequel to a Plague Tale Innocent. It's called Plague Tale Requiem. Mm-hmm. And Marco. Go ahead, start us off again here with uh, Plague Tale. What do you think about this? You uh, a game that you were highly anticipating, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. Uh, do, does it deliver? Is this uh, is this a game of the year contender? Talk to us, man. Yeah. So the first game for me was uh, it was like that double A plus type of experience. It's almost in that mm-hmm. same bracket as like Hellblade is. It's like it yeah. looks way better than it should. It plays a little bit better than it's supposed to. It's just it's of a certain quality that feels like it's right on the cusp of AAA, but not quite. And I, and I really liked the first game for that. It had a great story, had really interesting gameplay, environmental puzzles with the rats. So I, I fell in love with that game pretty quickly, and, and especially the characters. Um, coming into the sequel, uh, which is, Ew. for those of you that don't know, it's available on Game Pass. Um, obviously, you can buy it on other consoles or platforms of your choice, but we're playing it on Xbox right now. Um, I think this game checks a lot of boxes. Um, it is to me, it is a a really nice step up from the first game, um, and in a lot of ways too. I think, um, 
it's a much longer game for starters. Um, Requiem is uh, a pretty decently long game from from what I you know have seen so far. You, I think I'm at a point now where I'm ten chapters in out of seventeen, and this is around the time where I think the first game was kind of done. So um, yeah. they definitely went for it a little bit more, and I appreciate that uh, because it's given a lot of time and room for some of the characters in the game to flourish. Um, and even some of the supporting characters, both new and returning, to really get some some spotlight. And I think the storytelling here is is really well done. I, I love a lot of the characters. I think a few are going to end up in contention for our best character category uh, for our end of year awards. I've already nominated two uh, um, off rip. So I'm really enjoying the story so far um, and the pacing of the story. And... Um, in terms of the gameplay, it's definitely familiar. Uh, it is it is still environmentally puzzle driven with the rats and stuff like that, but um, you know it does throw in some new elements there, and it is a bit more. Um in terms of how they introduce it narratively, it becomes more combat-driven, but not a lot. Um, in the first game, it was more of like two kids trying to escape the the, the crazy, scary adult soldiers. Now you know, the older sister is more formidable, so she can yeah. do more There's damage. Basically, yeah. avoid conflict at all costs in the first right, game. Right, right. Now, not so much. Now, there, it's it's not leaning as much on stealth, and it's going more into kind of a good hybrid of both. Um, yep. I think it has some problems. Um, I think it can be a little too touchy with, like, getting spotted, and, and um, movement can feel still a little bit stilted at times, but... Uh, overall, I think the gameplay is is a nice enhancement from the first game. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is I think it looks really nice. Uh, the presentation yeah. is very good. Um, it's running on their own proprietary engine, which comes with pros and cons. I think things like the performance, which has been a topic between this and Gotham Knights, has is, is been a kind of a disappointment since it doesn't have a 60 FPS mode. And lip syncing can be a little off, too. Um, it's bad. Yeah. But I think overall, considering that this is a double A game, it looks a lot better than it has any business looking. So I'm still yeah. I'm still satisfied. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with all of that. I, I uh the first game is a game that I appreciated story, but you know, the the movement and, and kind of how stiff the characters felt and just the gameplay itself wasn't really if it, it, it got really boring for me because about halfway through it i was kind of like i'm doing the same thing over and over and there were some slight changes here and some upgrades that you can do for your character but i just i just felt so powerless that it, i actually didn't like the way the game felt in that way but that's all turned around for me and and requiem I, I think that um this is uh this is for me probably gonna be top 10 uh really easily yeah for for the year i love the story i love amicia i like i like her entire kind of story right now like Pretty much, a lot of games do this shit where you kill somebody, and then you're like heartbroken over it, and then you get over it. Their first game, that it was a plot point, really. Like she had like a whole memory, like vision of going through all the people she's killed, like, and that still kind of haunts her. Like she's past that, but not really in her psyche. Like she's breaking down, at least in the part that I'm at right now. And I love seeing that shit. I think that that's super dope. The game really deals uh, with that kind of stuff, and I and I and I and I really like it. I really enjoy it. Um, I like the fact that the environments are a little larger when it comes to encountering people, so you can kind of tackle that any way any way you want with the kind of like either engaging or disengaging i like the fact that when you kill people when you don't need to kill them you're part um the kid what's his name hugo. uh not hugo not hugo lucas the, uh 
Lucas is like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. we're not here for that. And she's like, I did it for Hugo. It's like, it's yeah. kind of like, damn, she's, you can really make her out to be some kind of like psychotic killer. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I enjoy the story. I really, and I, and I, the, the rat puzzles were always like the coolest thing about that game. And I, I, I think with the addition to the kind of the sulfur that they added that mm-hmm. you can knock out lights, that shit is so dope. Like you can just set shit up Very so smart. beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I that, and that's kind of the that's kind of the key word here. It's smart. It's a smartly uh, designed game. It uses its it uses what it has to to the maximum maximum abilities, and it, it just feels at times it just feels like a triple A uh, game. Obviously, there's certain things that happen. You're like, okay, you for, kind of forget, sure, you know. And if this was a triple A game, she would have a sword, and she would have it would be it would be all out craziness. Um, but I, I I like I'm enjoying the shit out of this. I I really like everything they're doing with the characters. Like I mentioned, the story everything with Hugo going on. Uh, it's it's super dope. I, I think that. The story for me is probably in contention, or it's going to be in contention for probably one of the best stories of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, very easily so. Because look, if you look at the narrative-driven games this year, hasn't been very good. Elden Ring is fantastic, but narrative-driven is not <laughs> that game strong. No, you'll never call that game narrative-driven not at, at all. all. Uh, so, uh, so by default, this is probably going to be one of the best narrative games of the year. But I don't think it's that it's that simple as as default. I think it is fucking fantastic. It's written well. I think the dialogue is really good. Uh, the performances are good, except Hugo sucks terribly. Oh, I but like Hugo actually. I like him. I, I, I just really don't like him. the voice acting. I like Misia. It's just like um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a kid. I think they actually did a great I, job I with him him being this you know a kid. Because you know, thinking about like what's going on with him, he's basically afflicted with this this you know plague in his bloodline and yeah. um, skipping a lot of beats. So you know, he can basically control these rats now. Right. Um, but the problem is, is that he's dying slowly from this affliction. So they are trying to embark on this quest to, you know, go to a place that he's seen visions of to kind of help yeah. find hopefully a cure. You know, so. Yeah. He he's going through it, but he still has these childlike whimsy and wonder moments of like being in a new place oh, yeah. and wanting they... to see all the sights. And I think yeah. that stuff is adorable, man. I, I I like it actually. I think it's a good it's a good yeah, dynamic with cute. him and his sister for sure. No, not for sure. I just think it's sometimes like when you hear like some of the voice acting uh, of, of of the surrounding characters and Amicia herself, even though she's kind of off sometimes, uh, that his sounds a little bit like out of place a little bit because it just feels like an, I think it's an adult playing a kid you know it's it's, well, it's one of those it weird yeah. I mean. yeah yeah but it's like it's just like one it just doesn't sound as natural now everything else like he definitely is a kid and, and that stuff is executed well but it's just kind of like oh man this kind of you just hate weird. kids that's all it is like I don't no. know man this is the best <laughs> no, no. this is the best child like like child child protagonist I've seen in a long time because the rest of them like I would agree kid. like they all sound annoying and they sound like a 40 year old's doing the voice in a squeaky sound. Well, Atre- but Atreus like- is from uh, from God of War, but he you, you mean Ooh, like a child, like a five year old, six year old? Hated Atreus. Yeah, he wasn't good either. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I yeah to kind of wrap up here, play till I we're really enjoying it. I hope um, you beat it. I hope you beat it, I'm, man. I'm, I'm worried chapter, about I'm you. in chapter chapter six with it, and it's there's no slowing. That's this is the kind. This is the main game that's really hard for me to kind of step away from. It just okay every moment after like every large puzzle, 
or every kind of like uh, area where I have to like you know get past enemies. And I'm kind of like, all right, this is cool. And then it hits a, another story beat that is like mm-hmm. fucking great. And I, I think that's really another genius thing is the pacing of the game. Um, I did see some people say that that they felt towards the end that was a little long in the tooth. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. But I mean, I'm I'm really into this. I love narrative driven games, and I'm hungry for them because they have hungry. not been really any this yeah year, it's been it's been it. very scarce in that department yeah let me yeah. ask you this um yeah based on how well this game is reviewing and you know critically i think it's at an 84 on open critic right now which is pretty solid yeah. um nice amount of buzz i believe this studio if i'm not mistaken pablo i could either sound really smart or really dumb here didn't they help with microsoft flight sim uh, yeah they were the they're the main they're the main developer team, right yeah developer behind yeah so do you see a future where once the Activision Blizzard stuff has blown over, yeah, these guys get picked up next as like a little small, nice little Ninja Theory esque pickup? Easily, yeah. I think easily, and I think my only issue with that would be: do does Xbox have too many studios like this? You know, Ninja Theory being one of them, Obsidian being a bigger studio, but still kind of making these niche RPGs. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I think it's be a great pickup because there, you, there's a there's a path here, and they're just getting better. Like you know, with uh, with Innocence and then Requiem. Now, I think, I, I, I mean, for me personally, for me, I think the, the sequel is better in every aspect, just in every single way, and if. And if they get a little money, a little bit more money behind it, uh, and they do a part three, hopefully it doesn't go all out and becomes like God of War or a, a, a you know Tomb Raider type. If they can do more and find ways to 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 be really smart with their game design, uh, with a third game, I mean this could be this could go down as a really special trilogy here. If 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 that's if that's mm-hmm. the case, uh, we haven't finished the game, so I don't know if it's if that's the um, plan. But yeah, uh, I I love it. When it comes to narrative driven games, uh, our Plague Tale is doing is carrying the load. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, for sure, baby. Why? All right, Marco. <laughs> so this is where our paths diverge a little bit here. Thank God. I'm playing <laughs> I'm playing two games. Marco's playing another two games uh that we're not playing right, from each other. So yeah. uh, Marco, well, I'm gonna kick it off to you. Yeah. Uh, mine won't take a super little, long. Yeah. A little super a little indie uh RPG that nobody's ever heard of. Oh yeah? Oh. Yeah. Persona five Royal. Um Oh yeah. Yeah, man. This uh this dropped on um, you know, uh well, okay. So there's a next gen version that dropped for PlayStation Five xbox series x and s and it also launched on switch uh as well so you know basically this is like uh okay for those of you that didn't get a chance to play it because you weren't on playstation now we're kind of spreading the love so right. uh it, it's on game pass so i i downloaded it mainly i have no intention of playing this 95 hour game again for the third time so i really just wanted to Put in about 45 minutes, an hour of time into it. Just get a feel for, you know, how it looks and performs and and see if there's anything that stands out to me. And honestly, I will say if you have played Persona, um, either Persona 5 or, or even Persona 5 Royal for like the PS4, uh, there's really nothing to see here. It's really just the same thing. 
Um, so unless you have the urge to, to replay it again, I don't really think there's any real reason to come back to it. The only advantage that I've seen is it runs at 60 FPS, uh, which is really nice, but it's not one of those games since it's turn-based that really demands having 60 FPS. So it's not going to be this like game changer for you, uh, for a game like this, but it is nice. It, you know, I wish that there would have been like... HDR or something like that, just to kind of right. give it a little bit more oomph, but it doesn't have that. So I have to be honest, and I, you know, as much as I love Persona and I love Atlas, I gotta, I gotta come at them a little bit here and say this, this to me, I mean, other than putting it on other platforms, which is nice for those communities, I think they kind of phoned it in here. I think that they, um, especially when it comes to the PlayStation side, because there was no upgrade path. If you have Persona 5 Royal on PS4, you have to buy the game again to get... Oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit. There's no, there's no $10 whatever thing. So I think people like me got screwed over if, if I didn't have an Xbox, you know, like where if I wanted to play, oh, I want to play that again, but in 60 FPS, oh, we'll spend 60 bucks again. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. to me, that things like that, I wish that got more attention than like coming down on like The Last of Us remake for the for those months. Like right. this right. was like a real issue to me. So I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't do more uh, to make this uh, a, a more interesting product for people who are already fans of Persona Five. Yeah. Um, but again, if you're an Xbox only person, a Switch only person and you finally got your hands on this, you're in for an amazing time. It's just that for those of you who are like me, we've already been down this road years ago, um, there's there's not much to be excited about, unfortunately. Yeah, P- Persona 5 and per- Persona 5 uh, Royal are the games that I've played the most time, put the most time into without finishing. Combined, I have about 95 hours into my first run through and my second playthrough. Uh, so it's a game I never finished. But I believe me, maybe down the future, one day that's not today or next year or the year after. <laughs> it's I'll never going to happen, dude. And, not not with your buying this. habits. Not with your maybe, buying maybe, habits. Maybe I'll just go back to PlayStation <laughs> and pick up my, my uh, 65 hour save and just go from there. But I mean, I respect the hell out of Persona 5. I think it's a fantastic game. So it's kind of fucked up that, you know. Especially they would treat the PlayStation community, the community in which has supported them throughout, uh, and just not, you know, giving them the game for free or a, a, an upgrade path there. But, you know, f- listen, for those who you who are RPG fans who've never played it, and for whatever reason you're an RPG fan and you don't own a PlayStation, okay, weirdo, um, <laughs> this is your time to, to, to finally experience this game. One thing that I've been hearing about it, um, and it was uh, Jez, what's his name, Jez Corden? Corden? Corden. Jez yeah, he um, and other people have echoed his uh, his opinion on this, that they feel this is the flagship game for Xbox Cloud because it is perfect for that, uh, for xCloud because of the way it plays. Uh, it's uh, a turn-based RPG, and he had a little clip of it on there and uh, him playing it, and it's just, it's touch screen as well, like there's a touch uh, to it as well so that you can kind of go and pick up, pick your, um, when you're playing the, 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 you're engaged in the battle, the RPG, picking uh, your, 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 your whatever moves you're going to do. Uh, it's all there. And so they feel like this is probably the best example of really what Xbox should be focusing on when they're talking about xCloud. Because, you know, the dream is playing Halo on xCloud, but that's not really going to be that viable. Or anything I got to like disagree with that a little bit, though. Um, I feel like... I feel like some people in the Xbox community are putting a little too much sauce on this game. 
in terms of like yeah. its meaning. It's to me, I making it a flagship. I've seen that, and I've seen also like this is going to be the game that kind of you know either makes or breaks the the, the Japanese market. And it's like, well, oh it's, no, that's silly. I don't know. think it's going to do either. I think in terms of the latter, um, this game is old. So I don't think this is the right game to kind of gauge the interest of the Xbox community with. Because if you were that interested in Persona, you've had, what, like six years or something to get your hands on it. And chances are most people have. Um, so I don't know. I think I think gauging consumer interest in Japanese gaming using this as, a, as an example is just kind of skewed. I think if it what was like, think- if it was Persona 6... And yeah. you have it on Game Pass, then you get a new game you can compare and see how it performs against other platforms. This to me doesn't it doesn't but work you could that also, way. Also, you could also flip the argument and be like, oh, a highly a known quantity in Persona Five comes out and everybody downloads it. That's not a win for the Japanese market. This mm-hmm. is a known quantity. This is a it, this people know what this is, and so because of that, playing the game uh, doesn't mean that you're now successful in Japan. This is a known thing. Like, yeah. So whether nobody picks it up, it's because it's old or because everybody plays it, it doesn't mean anything. And, and, I don't think in terms of how it gauges the Japanese market for Xbox. Sure. And, and I also use you know a, a piece of this rationale into the xCloud argument too, because again, this, this game is old. So like if people don't, <laughs> if people, okay. So if they want to see what, you know, what the, you know, the numbers are looking like in terms of how many people are playing this game on Xbox. I don't think it's necessarily the, the right time to look at it from an X cloud perspective yet. Let's just see how it does in general. And let's not make this the, the, the flagship of X cloud, because there's a lot of unanswered questions about X cloud in general. I don't think that persona five is going to be the answer to a lot of those things. So I yeah. think it's just, again, it's using a game as old as this to answer those kinds of questions to me just doesn't make a lot of sense. But also, you could pick any JRPG, turn-based JRPG, put it on xCloud, and it'll work fine because it's turn-based. So, yeah. you know, it's not really... You're right. It feels like, oh, because it's Persona, it's a known thing. People are, like, talking mm-hmm. about it like, oh, this is the thing that's going to change the way we look at Xbox. <laughs> and that's not. <laughs> and that's not true. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, man. Um. Glad that this is finally on everything and not just kind of stuck on one console. So mm-hmm. hopefully that means Persona Six is coming on on everything too. I'm just, sure it is. You know. I would have to yeah. imagine. Yeah. But I am I am excited about Persona Four Golden. Same. Um, because it's a game I've never played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, people, the, the Persona Five being the best of the series is 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 not exactly like a. Uh, a thing that everybody agrees with you know it, it's a split camp between four and five so that's super interesting because how how good five is i, I wonder how you know how playable or how, how much how i feel when i play four if it feels like as good as five did so mm-hmm. that's cool that that's happening i think that's the bigger get i think that's the bigger news here once we play golden it'd be pretty dope um all right so uh what do you what well, you're playing something else this is a demo yes of yes. Uh, a certain game tell us about that yes yeah, so um there was a Resident Evil showcase that took place uh, a couple days ago as of this rec- well as of this recording or when you're hearing this rather I'm trying to get the yeah. timelines right in my brain but uh there was a Resident <laughs> Evil showcase where uh they announced that there was going to be a 60 minute time demo for Resident Evil Village's new gold edition uh content which included the third person mode that they have talked about so I got a chance to try out the demo 
uh, to see how the third person stuff feels and if it is kind of worth maybe replaying Village again in third person. Um, so I got a chance to play it. I will say um, it's a little tricky because on one hand, I think it moves and looks and performs just fine. It looks really good. It flows really good. It feels as good as how like the RE2 and RE3 remakes feel. The over-the-shoulder feel is, is just as good. Um, it is a little bit wonky, though, in some respects, in terms of feeling like, okay, this is definitely like a tack-on, because when it goes to actual like cinematic stuff, it goes back into first person again. Oh. Right? So, like, it, it does some things. Like, if you get attacked or something by an enemy, it, like... It doesn't pull you into a first-person view to see like yourself getting attacked. It'll it'll do a third-person animation now, which is good. But when you get into an actual cinematic, um, it does go back to first, which I thought was kind of. I thought that was yeah. I thought that was a little bit on the you know corner cutting side of the spectrum. But um, the other weird thing, well, there's two more weird things. Weird thing number two <laughs> is they still don't let you see Ethan's face. What the fuck? So no matter you can't do anything. You tilt the camera it. around. He'll he'll they he'll tilt his head the other way. They even said that in the in the showcase too. They're like, yeah, we still won't let you see his face, and they showed Why? that. But it, Are they you just can tell to the bullshit. You can tell that they made his face like there is an actual face right. there. But when you turn the camera around, he's like, no, <laughs> and he looks but the other they, way. Are they? Is that story driven that we're going to see later on, or is that just them leaning into the fact that you can't see uh, Ethan's face? Yeah, I don't know. I I just think that they. They committed to wanting him to be an obscure white guy <laughs> and just letting hey, that be show it. Me his face. He's still being an obscure white guy, even if I see his fucking yeah, face. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a white guy. Yep. Oh, um, he's white. <laughs> he's white. Um, so yeah, that's weird. And I thought that was just a dumb decision. Like, it, what do you, <laughs> what so do you stupid. stand to lose by showing me his face? And, and besides all that, like, you know, the PC community is going to, is going to show that immediately. Uh, yeah, They're like, here's, but... here's his face. And everybody's going to be, be like, wouldn't oh. it be super dope? Uh, hilarious, actually. If nobody can crack it and nobody can mod it so you can see his face. It's like, no matter what we do, it's impossible. <laughs> That'd be wild. Um, the third wonky thing is... He does hold certain things very weirdly. Like if you if he's holding a knife, he holds it he holds it like this. Like with his uh, his oh. his hand is like in front of his face with his arm like elbow bent but like the knife kind of like if like a like a, if like a this is going to be a dumb example but like if a 50-year-old like mom it thinks her house is getting broken into and she grabs like a like a butter knife and she holds it like kind of delicately like that's what it looks like they, they don't come in here like intruders like that's what it's like he is a 50-year-old white mom with a butter knife Jeez. um and you can also tell little wonky things like when he's trying to open the door uh, or you know Something like that. He just kind of just walks into the door. He just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. and then the door just kind of opens. So it, it, you can tell it is a, it is very much a tack on. It is not ingrained into the experience the way that I hoped it would be. So there is that. I, I still might get the DLC because I want to see the story content, but yeah. I was a little 50 50 about how the third person stuff looks in the end. Yeah. I, that's, I was actually going to ask you, I was like, are you going to get the, the DLC, I think it's twenty dollars. Yeah, um, and it has the rose. Uh, yeah, 
Is it Rose? Yeah, Rose DLC, mm-hmm. Sword DLC. I, I'm all about it. The only thing is, is that I saw something about the DLC that it's that a lot of the game takes in dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I thought that was so I'm gonna wait and see on that. But I love the village's story. I love being in that world. So I was hoping that that is you know continues that, but if if it's a little different, then I probably won't pick it up. But yeah, that that that's look, it's cool that it exists. Um, I guess. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, uh, with with the series, do you think that this is them kind of just telling us that the series is going to be third person, third person from now yeah. on, or or is is Resident Evil? The, the the nine going to be first person again i don't think they're going first person anymore i think that that's that's a wrap i think they have a formula where the remakes are so good looking and good playing especially what we saw of resident evil 4 with the new gameplay that we saw oh, at right, the yeah. showcase was incredible um that's just how people associate resident evil now and i think they just need yeah. to kind of own that and 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 say that's ours because but you know it's where they thrive i really i really liked village though i i think that i think biohazard uh seven i think that they 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 a lot to be for me a lot to be de- left uh, a lot to be desired but i think they got it right with um with village uh i really like the way that game kind of looks through, with the first through the first person perspective <laughs> i don't know it just it just i don't know yeah I mean, I feel like the stuff that I enjoyed about that game did not have anything to do with the fact that it was in first person, though. Yeah. Eh, I guess. I mean, I did kind of like all the dismemberment and shit, like, uh, you know, kind of like you're seeing like your hand being cut off in front of you, kind of just the the Lady D just being in your face mm-hmm. and, and chasing you around and that kind of like, uh, it just it added a layer of... of um, a fear to the whole to the whole experience a little bit for me. Um, but, um, you know, you, you could still garner that from the third person view as we've seen with two and mm-hmm. and three with nemesis and, and mr x so for sure yeah so so i'm playing two additional games and i'll kind of just talk about one in depth because i've been playing that one most and the other one is kind of a quick overview of what i've played so far but uh one of those games is mario plus rabbit sparks of hope and for those of you not familiar, this is the the sequel to Battle Kingdom. Uh, and look, Battle Kingdom was a game that was announced, and I think collectively everybody was like, "What the fuck?" Like they, they we didn't really understand as to why this game even <laughs> existed. Yet uh, it came, it comes out, and it's critically acclaimed. It's actually a great game, which I, I love very much. And I think Marco also uh, ended up enjoying it as well. But just like these games that are 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 come out of nowhere and are great, and their sequels. Uh, 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 come out then we have expectations and believe me i had expectations for this game and look it still managed to blow me away and, and just to kind of give you uh give you guys a synopsis just in case you're not familiar mario plus rabbits is a, a strategy turn-based rpg i think if you had to compare it to a game it would be XCOM. uh but yeah so this is exactly what this game is and um look uh i would say uh, when you look at from the outside looking in at the changes, the gameplay changes might not seem like much, uh, like the ability, for example, to move around the battle map in real time. It doesn't seem like it's a big change, but but it actually deepens the game strategically. Like it, moving players into positions that would take advantages of their abilities is incredibly satisfying, uh, and it is something that really 
elevate the game if if i'm being if i'm being honest uh also when you look at things like the spark which is the namesake of the game sparks of hope sparks are these little things that actually add these buffs to your ability for example there's an ability that's like a fire based ability and that like uh that adds like a burn like a burn effect to enemies so you use that you you put that with your weapon and it it does the damage but it also does fire damage and you that you could move them out of position with the fire like their butts are on fire and they're like running around so that shit's pretty dope um also it, it, one of the cool things about this game is that it gives off mario galaxy vibes and that that's not a that's not by mistake they definitely are leaning into that aesthetic and i thought that was pretty dope uh basically uh you know what you're doing here is you're on a ship and you're flying from planet to planet these are your levels uh to and you're and you're there in these planets to relieve the world of something called dark mess that's dark and mess like she a mess like <laughs> uh and so basically um what the dark mess uh what you do is uh, by, actually by winning these battles you eliminate that darkness and the main villain is uh, a thing called cursa i don't know much about her right now other than she's evil i uh, don't know if it's gonna turn out to be bowser or something like that which probably might be but as of right now it's just kind of like this alien that's taking over the world and and so what i like about uh what I like about what they're doing with the, what they do with the world is basically it's like a 3D Mario open world where you're going from these battle areas uh, to you know fight, uh, but you're walking there yourself, right? The only weird thing is that it's it looks like a 3D Mario game, but you can't jump, which is a Miyamoto understanding with Ubisoft that their Mario is unable to jump. Weird, I know, but you get over it pretty quickly because you're actually reaching these spots more often than not or having random encounters, and it really once you get there uh that's when the real game actually starts but it's a really cool add-on that they did and along the way you, you be shopkeepers and npcs that give you lower stuff and the shopkeepers you can buy like for example a mushroom that'll give you some some health and all this really comes together in this really well-made package and it is an exceptional sequel to an already weird uh spin-off but really this works in such an incredible way that i absolutely recommend this to anybody who enjoys mario enjoys strategy rpgs and really enjoyed the first game because this kind of this this game knocks that game uh just knocks it out because it, it this is the quintessential package when it comes to this weird you know off the wall spin-off uh, of mario I mean, is it is it worth prioritizing as like a uh, must play by the end of the year? You know, would our game of the oh, year yeah, feel we like weird without yeah. talking about one? It? Yes, one hundred percent. This is a game that I am confident you'll be talking about it within your top ten and within our top ten. Watch as well. me buy I, it and then you don't beat it. <laughs> no, you love because you love <laughs> you love that you love that that first game. I did. Um, I, I came around too, to but, it. Yeah, but but yeah, I, I, you, there's just no. In my my opinion, there's no world where somebody likes the first game and hates this game. Okay. Gotcha. None at all. It's just it's that it's that good. Yeah, for right. sure. And then um the last game here I'll talk about is Gotham Knights, super early impressions, only about an hour in. Um I will say the open cinematic and uh is like fucking I didn't expect that. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, for those of you who know, maybe slight spoilers, but not really. If you've been paying attention, Batman is dead, uh, and he did, did, mm -hmm. bro. Like I thought they were gonna be like, he's dead. Wink. No, 
body. We we got we get a body and decomposing everything. and everything. Dead. So maggots. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like really like uh, them letting you know this. You you guys are the next generation for Gotham, and like there's they're leaving nothing to the imagination in terms of like will he come back? Though again, it's a DC comic. Lazarus pits exist in this world, so it might happen. But. Uh, I, you know, you, you pick from four players, uh, two player co-op, uh, and they do a really cool thing after you find out Bruce is dead, they're talking about what's going to happen next. And you can scroll through the players while they're talking in the middle of the cutscene, and then pick that player to do that next scene. I don't know if that's something that happens every big story uh, moment, but it is super dope. I love the way it did that. I'm, I'm playing as Batgirl. I, people said, if you're going to play the game by yourself, play as Batgirl. She's the most balanced. And yeah, man, it, the game looks really good at times. Like, especially the interiors look so fantastic. Uh, she plays great. My, this is the problem with this game. When you look at Plague Tale Requiem playing at 30 frames, that game is a slow place, methodical kind of game where it, 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 it actually, it, the 30 frames, you don't see it that much. You know, it's, 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 obviously it's not 60, but it's okay because of the way the game plays. But when you're playing Gotham Knights at 30 frames, and sometimes it does dip a little lower, unfortunately, it is it is a little bit annoying because it's like, oh my god, it's fucking sluggish. They feel like they're moving at a, a snail's pace because the fighting is a lot more uh, methodical. It isn't it's it isn't like uh, the Batman games. It's more. It's less than that. It's actually a lot more. Uh, you're taking your time with it. It's, it's, I'm not going to say Dark Souls, but it's a little bit more like where you're not just jumping in, hitting a whole bunch of buttons and then, and encountering, flipping over a person. It's a, you have to take your time, you know, kind of evaluate mm-hmm. the enemy type and then approach it that way, which I appreciate. If you get the Gotham, the Batman stuff, the Arkham City stuff out of your, out of your mind and when you're playing the game, I think it works really well. It's just unfortunately how it's already kind of slow placed like that and running at 30 frames, it just feels a lot more sluggish than what it is and then you know slipping through the world itself it, you for a person like me who is not a frame sensitive i feel this uh and that's and that's a bad thing you know if i'm if i'm complaining about the frames then you know that, that you done fucked up uh so mm-hmm. i i don't know if this is the game that i'm going to be playing just uh at least anytime soon because of the other games that I'm playing right now. I just kind of want to try it out. Uh, my brother was, uh, was a fan of these games, so he wanted to, you know, take a stab at it. So he, he's going to be playing it. But, you know, I I, 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 I wait too early for me to say whether the 71 on Metacrit- on Open Critic or 70 to add right now, if it's deserving of that. But I, I this year I, fi- I, I find that a lot of the stuff at 70s are, you know, it could go either way. Like it is really that bad or it's actually a lot better than what it is. I don't know yet right now, an hour in, I I don't think it's bad at all, but it's only an hour. You know, it, there's so much there. And then there's a grindiness that people have complained about, uh, down the line. I think that the stuff with the weapons and, 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 and your gear is weird. Um, but anyway, uh, Maybe we'll talk about this game down the line. Maybe we won't. I ain't gonna uh, talk but about as it, it stands, <laughs> I'm yeah, good. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think this is a game. I think that this is kind of a step back in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, it's not a disaster, at least from my early impressions. Yeah, I mean, it, unfortunately, this was kind of writing on the wall for a while. You know, when they first started uh-huh. showing the gameplay, that, something looked off from the beginning, and I think everybody knew it. And I don't know why they decided to off. stick to their guns on this one and release it when they did. I don't know what that served in terms of. You know, getting it out there is fine, but you know, now you got you know a poor 
you came out poor out of the gate with with reviews. You're sitting at a 70 on Open Critic right now, which is not very great. Okay. Um, no. I don't know. This this could have used some more time in the oven, in my opinion. Just he, get, here's get, the thing at least about get that. the performance mode out. You know. Right. I disagree that it needed more time in that it would have made any difference other than the frame stuff. Like obviously 60 frames, but even this game at 60, I don't think this would change kind of the way people feel about the game. Like, I think it was a choice, a design choice, uh, especially specifically with the combat. And I don't think a year more or even six months more would have made any difference in terms of how the game plays other than being optimized for it to run at 60 frames. And maybe that, that, that'll that help it a little bit. But ultimately, I think the issue with the game is in its core design. Uh, and what and even though I like the, the switching between the four characters while they were talking and stuff like that, it almost is overwhelming and a little too much. And there's some redundancies with some of the characters uh, that I feel like, you know, Robin is pretty much useless. Um, and uh, Red Hood is pretty much what Nightwing, Nightwing is, uh, except more powerful. It, it, there's just not, there's just not a lot between all the four characters besides Batgirl, who I think is probably the standout who plays pretty much different from everybody else. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it's just a game design at its core that it's really flawed. And I think that I don't know what happened here. Um, it's been a very long time since they made a game and I don't know if this was so supposed to be something else that involves into something else. It's, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks be, be behind Gotham Knights and as to what that is, but it is what it is. Uh, We'll be moving on here from this section. Anything else you want to add? Any other questions you may have about the games we've been playing in our loadouts? No, no. I think we're going to move on, man. More of this to come next week with the next wave of stuff. So. Sheesh. Sheesh. Well, guys, uh, I don't think we mentioned it up top, but they will. there will be no checkpoint chat uh, this week. But we are going to move into the last uh, category of the day for our podcast, and that's going to be our hit points, which is our news segment. And that starts right now. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. Marco, we have two news items here on the docket. Uh, one is a bummer, and the other one is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with the bummer. Uh, and if you guys have been on the internet in the last couple of days, you know exactly where we're going here. That's the Bayonetta yeah. 3, Helena, uh, Helena Taylor controversy. I want to say one quick thing. I, we waited a yeah. little while to talk about this because I think we wanted to see what played out before we chimed in immediately with our opinions because, uh, you know, we, we, we only had one side of the story for a while. Then we had a report about another, which, which Pablo will cover uh, as we open this. I think it was just important to, to withhold our opinions and reserve judgment for a little while until we got a little bit more information. So now I think we're, yeah. we're more ready now than we, we would have been if we tried to talk about this last week. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, last week would have been pretty cut and dry as, as to how we felt. Now this, there's a little bit more nuance to the entire, mm-hmm. uh, the entire North story. Basically, you know, the voice actor Bayonetta, which is Helena Taylor, she claimed that she was offered a flat rate of four thousand dollars to reprise her role for Bayonetta three, uh, and then pleaded with the gamers to boycott the game. Uh, a few days later, Jason Schreier reported new evidence that contradicted Helena Taylor's claims. Allegedly, she was actually offered around $15,000 for about four to five recording sessions, uh, not a flat rate, as she claimed. But Helena Taylor has uh, denied those claims. Needless to say, this entire situation is, is, is 
quite a big of a mess here. While Helena Taylor does stand to lose a great deal of credibility in these reports, if, if they are true, uh, is her initial grievance still valid? And what do we make of the situation as a whole? Marco? Yeah, so um, I tweeted a, a, a thread about something you know that had to do with all this, and I, I, I'm kind of kind of circle through some of that stuff because I think it still holds true now uh, a couple days later. Mm-hmm. And I think the best place to start is in general, I want what's best for all talent in the video game industry because that's what keeps people coming to work in the industry. So I want people to make their money and get their bag. I, voice actors, uh, sound designers, the people that design the peach fuzz on somebody's you know skin. I, <laughs> everybody, I want everybody to make good money in this business because that's what will bring more talent to it and keep this this medium thriving. So, um, I think that's a really important place to start because, you know, when we hear numbers for voice acting, it's hard because a lot of people are very unaware of what the rates are of what the pay is like for voice acting talent and through the advancements in um video game design and the way that that talent is utilized it's not it's not entirely easy to sit down and and determine whether a set dollar amount is a ripoff or a good deal because there's all kinds of variables that are at play you got to think about the number of hours that it takes to record, the amount of dialogue or in pages that it's going to take, um, any other terms, it, whether you're going to be physically acting the role, doing motion capture for, for days or yep. weeks on end, like the Troy Bakers and Ashley Johnsons, Christopher Judges of the world. Um, so there's all sorts of things that, that factor into what ultimately becomes a deal and a contract with voice talent. So for us to say, um, oh, you know, we feel like whether it's $4,000 flat or $4,000 per session, it was a ripoff. Like who can really say whether that is or it's not? Because we don't have all the information in front of us. So I, I think that the community and weirdly enough, the TMZs of the world, um, really jumped at this in a way that I was kind of shocked with. I, I, I thought it came too soon. The TMZ aspect of it was really bizarre because where were y'all when we needed you for exposure about sexual harassment in the workplace? And, you know, really big yeah. issues, not when some actor calls for a boycott, you know? Um, to me, I think... I'm not, I'm not here on, on this episode to say who I'm siding with because in the end, I don't think... There is enough information to decide that, and I don't know if there ever will be enough information to decide that, unless this yeah. goes to court because of the NDA uh, that that Helena Taylor broke, and you know them wanting to pursue legal action because of that uh, breach. Um, I don't think we're gonna but get. The, a lot I of think it. there's even, it, uh, yeah, and I even think there's like uh, I, I I was trying to look for it that. Apparently, she might have not even broken an NDA. Like, uh, it was, it, it never got to that point. Like, but anyway, but both sides are saying a lot yeah. and not providing a, a lot of receipts, uh, for lack of a better term. Right. Now, Mark, I, I do have a little pushback on the, the, on you saying we don't know whether or not it's good or bad. And I agree. I think that's right. I just think that if someone told me she was getting paid six figures, which she originally wanted, to play Bayonetta, 
I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. It's like, oh, she made a hundred grand to 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 play this character, being that it's the voice of the character of a series that it's beloved and it's the third part of that. If she would have said, oh, if they would have said we're paying her this much, I don't think I would have batted an eye. Also, there are people who are voice actors who've responded to Jason Schreier's, uh, uh, you know, tweet and, and reporting saying that they feel that amount of money for that kind of job is insufficient uh but you know there's also another side that if she would have taken the fifteen thousand dollars that would have been the most money she's made playing bayonetta combined out of all the other um all the other entries so if you're platinum games and you're paying this actress a certain amount and now you're almost doubling what she made with fifteen thousand dollars and you know i'm Platinum probably felt they were doing her a favor or like paying her justly or maybe not. Maybe they were, you know, trying to 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 to, to fuck her over. But I think I think for me where I stand with this, because I'm with you. I don't stand with either or because I mean she's been called out saying that, that was completely false and she says that that's not false, but says I want nothing to do with this anymore. Like kind of like you know taking her away from the, uh, taking herself off of the situation. I, I just think it's it's a bad on both sides. I think her calling out for the boycott is silly because her entire her entire kind of argument it, you contradict yourself when you're now going to punish developers people who've worked on this game by not supporting the game because she didn't get what she wanted money wise it, it just seems a little selfish too uh, it I, is I, you shouldn't you, know, you shouldn't weaponize I, the community because you got a bad offer bad offers happen in every yeah. industry in the world you you don't call yeah. for a boycott of the entire company because you didn't get something that made you happy it's just an yeah. unprofessional way to, to weaponize the community. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. It is. Yeah, I, I, regardless if this comes out and she's 100% right, I, I still don't like the boycotting of it all because you have, uh, you know, you have other actors who are in this game, other people who are getting paid to play, to play the roles in this game that they are working for, for this, right? They, they, they're making a living off of this. And you're not just going to burn it all down I think that's weird. Like to say, fuck mm. everybody. Don't buy this game because I didn't get my six figures and my royalties. You know, that is kind of weird. That that was weird to begin with. But, you know, it being platinum and it also being Nintendo and all the conversations throughout the years about, you know, uh, what the flat rates are and paying and how a lot of people have complained about that. It, it's a it's a mess of a situation because like Marco said, I would love for all these people to 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 be paid handsomely for the roles that we love them to play. But you know, a company is a company, and I'm not a I'm not here to side with them. But if they can get somebody for fifteen thousand dollars as opposed to a hundred thousand dollars, I think they're gonna go for the person that that that's gonna do the fifteen thousand dollar job just because well, it's it's some it it's something they do. But I mean, I'm not saying it's right. But uh, but, but we but we still we still done, can't. But, I mean, but even in that example though, like why? Why does fifteen thousand dollars sound low to people? Uh, that's my yeah. point. Like we we like for for well, context for context and and uh, a, a podcast that you know I actually follow um, that's you know kind of in the same you know niche as us called Power Gamer Podcast. Yeah. They brought up a good point about you know a past interview she did years ago where she had mentioned that she recorded both Bayonetta one and two in four four-hour sessions so that's two games in 16 hours um again 
I understand the role might be big because it's this protagonist of this, you know, you know, critically well received series. But again, the work is the work. And if you have a role that only requires a, a short amount of hours, then that inevitably is going to influence pay. So when when people see either four thousand or fifteen thousand, whatever camp you believe is true, it, again in the context of what the actual job is for this contract, that might be the right amount of money. You know, again, do I wish it was more? Just as a blanket statement, yes, I do, but. If they deemed that, okay, for this amount of script, for this amount of time, over this many days, this is an adequate amount of money. Do you want it or do you not? And it's not sufficient for her. That's fine. But I don't think it's anyone's place to say that 15K is quote unquote low. I just think we have to we have to understand that the job is the job. We can't get caught up in, but this is Bayonetta. It's a job. Yeah, but I think if she feels that she's being underpaid, I, I don't think that that's something we can completely dismiss either. Sure, because but I also look at Jennifer Hale as like the one of the preeminent female voice actors in the industry. So she's taking on this role instead, right? But I don't think she's getting paid what she got paid because Jennifer Hale, by her own admission, has made net worth over two million dollars doing work with with, with exactly so, but I, so then I, what's I, the narrative about nintendo and platinum then are they cheap or are they not that's my question no i i think i think that i think that they'll try to get the best deal as as best they can i think obviously helena taylor when you look at her credits she's done a lot of video games and a lot of stuff but not as prolific or as known as yeah, their imdbs are very different yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna hire Jennifer Hale, at that point, I think you're paying more for Jennifer Hale. Like, it's not like, well, we're gonna pay Jennifer Hale, or we're gonna pay Helena if she just if she negotiated correctly. No, I think you also have to look at it from that point of view. But I do think that you know, Platinum Games is not that they're cheap or Nintendo's cheap. It's just that they're gonna try to get the best deal possible. And Jennifer Hale has been the voice of Bayonetta for all the games. So why not Taylor, you offer her this? But be- yeah, sorry for her. So, so why not just give her what you think she's worth? And she may think that she's worth more, and that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. But you know, I think we've gotten to a, a new, a new world of, of video game developing and even voice acting, where Troy Baker and Jennifer Hale and Christopher Judge are no longer game names that you see in the D- IMDb. They're they're up front, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they're they're talking about the game. They are marketing for the game because they're known in that way. So yeah, I, I don't think what I don't think for me it's whether they're cheap or not. I just think there are certain rates, and I think she felt that that she should have probably gotten more. I don't again, I don't know what she usually gets paid. I don't know any of that. But my kind of basis for that is like if they said she is getting paid a hundred grand for this job, I would have not batted a single eye. You know what I mean? That that's kind of where I'm coming from. I was like okay, because you know that's kind of like. When you look at like ZipRecruiter, I, I did all this deep down shit in, ter- in terms of checking out what a, uh, a, a someone makes, and they make about you know eighty grand a year to hundred grand a year. So like I don't know, there, there's a little factors there. She doesn't work a lot in video games anyway. At this point, she's she only barely doing does. Bayonetta. Yeah, it's so, just basically Bayonetta. Yeah, at, at this point, she she's completely taken. She, I think she said it herself. She's completely taken herself out of that kind of world and just is is just uh, doing that. But I, my my problem with all of this is actually a little bit more 
her, uh, with Helena Taylor in that when she said that Jennifer Hale has no right assigning merchandise as Bayonetta. Did you see that? No, I didn't. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> because uh, that's where it's like... Ah, you know, I'm trying you know, to call it down the, the middle, but things like that don't make it easy for me. Because it just, it but just feels like say, there's some symptoms here of some entitlement. I would say take... <laughs> <laughs> For me, I take the name out of it, like take her name out of it, take the uh, corporate company and a and a and a, a little known uh, voice actress. They probably, I, it, this is kind of my guesstimation. They probably lowballed her. Her counteroffer was insane compared. Like there, there was no like nothing because she wanted royalties on top of six figures, which is I don't think anybody. I don't know how people get royalties. I don't think that's a thing. So and then she took to to Twitter to then come back that the month that the game releases. So there are different motivations on both sides. I, um, you know, I, I do think that I think that this is a big story when it comes to paying people what they deserve to be paid. Now, what that is, I don't know. Like That's very idealistic, though, Pablo. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. But I think when it comes to those things, we should definitely lean on that side sure. of it. But when, we, when we're looking at the real, realistic situation as to what this actually is, you know, I, I don't, and, and I don't want to come across as like a shill or anything, but I don't think that Platinum was purposely devious in trying to, lowball her i just think that that's what they thought they would should pay her and you know maybe she's seeing troy baker was worth six million dollars and all those people she should be up there because she's she's voicing an iconic character but you know it is what it is you know it, it your worth is your worth whatever you think you're worth it's fine but that doesn't mean that that corporate america or people who are, are writing the checks have to mm-hmm. agree with you and that's something that we have to kind of you know come to terms with yeah yeah i agree i think i don't think either party really looks great in this whole issue, because no. no one showed up with receipts, in my opinion. I think on her end, no. I think she yeah. just threw out a number. Um, somehow, miraculously, TMZ decided to care about it. Like, there was a lot of, and I'm, I don't want to go too tinfoil hat, but there was a lot of really weird, convenient things that took place in a very quick window of time that I thought was very yeah, I, bizarre for a story like this. Um, so, uh, I think it, the video game industry is the highest. Is video game industry is like the biggest growing industry in the world right now, and Nintendo is a household name. And if you had somebody like basically the little guy going against corporate, you know, a, a corporation, that's where this. I think that's kind of like where TMZ kind of were like, oh, we're gonna talk about this, which is shitty because if they're gonna if they're gonna tap into the video game industry and talk about that, there's some shit that they gotta cover, huh? There's some stuff that they're missing, some very important. Yeah, things I mean, you know, decide not to. Where were on. they with the whole Bobby Kodak stuff? Like, where where were they with like? Where are they? Uh, I mean, so, that's very scandalous. That yeah. that checks the TMZ, but we went to this, so it just felt. Plus the timing of it, it's getting closer to release. Now all of a sudden, here she comes, and it's like, okay, this is strange. Why why was this not something you wanted to talk about when? things first fell apart. It felt very deliberately like I'm going to step on the toes of this as much as I can and make this yeah, about yeah, me. Yeah. And I think that was wrong. Now on on the Nintendo and Platinum That's side. That's true. That's true. Nintendo and Platinum side, I'm not fully letting them off the hook either because they look and I tweeted about this too, they look cold unplugged and they look like their heads are buried in the sand too. They even put out yeah. uh platinum put out a statement saying we align with Jennifer Hale's tweet, which wasn't much of an any... I mean, Jennifer Hale wasn't even really addressing anything other than just, you know, showing love and respect to everybody involved. Um, Doesn't address what was actually 
the core issue, which was the whole money thing. That was such a so, weird thing because I thought when I saw that, is a message from? I'm like, oh, they're about to they're about to show some receipts mm-hmm. or, and they're like, whatever Jennifer Hale said, we're good with that. That's yeah. what we. It felt like we they were piggybacking off of people. something that that went over well with the community because people were like, oh yeah, Jennifer Hale's she's so dope, she's so cool, and they're like, yeah, yeah she, she is. is, and we we want to be dope like her too. She's an art, <laughs> you know. And, I'm, and I think Jennifer Hale is probably like cringing. It's like, because she's in our team. She's with us. Like, oh. Yeah. Just... And she said Helena now, is a I... hoe. And is she a hoe? Yeah. Listen, oh, oh, there's some, there some fucking, and I try to take this away from her. There's some weird shit about Helena, you know, and, and Blue Lives Matter and, and her being apparently a transphobe. Uh, yeah, so there's that. But um, Marco, I have uh, I have a game, Bane of the Three game question for mm-hmm. you. Do you think that Jennifer and I love Jennifer Hale, uh, but do you think Jennifer Hale can pull this okay. off? Okay, I'm actually glad you asked me this question because I okay, I love Bayonetta. I, I love Bayonetta. Yeah, I love Bayonetta. But guys, let's not act like this is the most nuanced, dynamic role in the history of video no, game no, protagonists. No. And, like, and if this, you hear if you hear Helena Taylor talk, she sounds like Bayonetta. Yeah. So, there's wasn't much of much a reach in terms of performance. right yeah yeah people gotta relax like this is not a hard role he- to to pull off i think jennifer hill's gonna do fine i mean any any derivative of oh you naughty boy is pretty much the extent of what she's working with in terms of dialogue you know what i mean so it's not like this <laughs> yeah, is really I, pulling my, the talent out of her it's it, but my relax. question like i I kind of where I come from is because Helena Taylor is Bayonetta in that her voice is Bayonetta's voice. Like, is Helena Taylor just gonna do her own thing, or is she gonna try to sound like Helena Taylor? That's kind of where I'm at. It's like, is it gonna be? Is it gonna throw us off I mean, a little bit if she sounds completely different from Helena Taylor? I didn't even know or that there was a change until they said so. Uh, when I listened, when I listened to her talk in the trailers, I didn't even notice. Yeah, but they were very. They, she was a little bit, a lot more quieter than she usually is in those trailers. But maybe that's because they were still recording voice stuff. But I, I don't think it's a problem. I, I was just curious to see what you thought because of the reason that Helena Taylor is Bayonetta. Like her voice, when she talks, when she was talking in that video, she sounded like Bayonetta. Like it wasn't really much of a thing. Maybe she did a little bit more, she was a little more sensual. But I mean, I, it, it, I'm just like, I wonder if Jennifer Hale is just going to do her own thing or if she's going to imitate Helena Taylor. I just thought that was interesting. It's going to depend on the storyline, uh, too. If, like, are they going to take the characters yeah, yeah, in yeah, a different, yeah. you know, place and make her more dynamic or, you know, like, what, what are they going to do? Uh, if it's just going to be like Bayonetta's one and two, then. I don't think all you have to you know you don't have to reach very much into your bag of tricks to make that work. So I think it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got another we story do. here. Yeah. Uh, Marco, why don't you take it Let's away? Let's do it. So Pablo Konami has finally shared its plans for the Silent Hill franchise in their first ever Silent Hill transmission stream. The first announcement of the stream was. Bloober Team's remake of Silent Hill 2, which will be built in Unreal Engine 5 and will be a timed exclusive for PlayStation 5 for one year. Up next, we had Christopher Gans, who directed the first Silent Hill movie from uh, 2006, uh, announcing that he'll be returning to make a film based on Silent Hill 2. 
Then we had two additional games announced, which included a game called Silent Hill Ascension, which is an interactive multiplayer visual novel experience, and Silent Hill Townfall, which was announced as well, but with no details yet as of right now. And lastly, we had Silent Hill F, which is the next official mainline entry in the series that will take place in 1960s Japan. So... This was a lot. This was a lot of stuff. And I want to start with this question, Pablo. Before we get into specifics about what we actually saw, I want to to start just holistically here with you. In terms of Silent Hill's comeback, would you say it is one of these three? Is it, was it too much, not enough, or just right? Um, I think it was just right because there was was a huge gap between... um, the the last uh, Silent Hill game, which was was it Downpour or Shattered Dreams or whatever it was, it was trash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It, so it, it's it's been a while since we got a good quality Silent Hill. This have a lot of rumors have been swirling about a Silent, uh, Silent Hill two remake, all that stuff, and I think that this was. Like if this was planned, it was it was great. Or if this was just a circumstance and it just happened to to to, to come out this way, I think it's I think it was just right. Uh, I think that they talked about the 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 Silent Hill two game and then the other game that had leaked a while back and then a new entry towards the end and then whatever the hell that stuff was in the middle. Like I liked the the two thousand six Silent Hill movie. I thought that movie was pretty dope. The three D um, one was terrible though. Oh, Revelation! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even fuck with that one. Um, so, but yeah, I liked that first movie. I thought it, it captured a lot of uh, of what you saw in that game. So, I, I I thought that was pretty dope. But I thought it was just right. You know, I don't think it was too much. I I, I think one of the announcements, the interactive ascension, whatever the, the godly, interactive novel, yeah, that was. I mean, I don't want to do with that, but mm-hmm. um, it's a cool thing to have and the reasoning behind it i thought was a really interesting you know you know going to see a movie in a a movie theater and people love watching scary movies movie theaters and kind of having a game that kind of emulates i thought that that i I get it i I just don't want to do that but i i I thought that i thought it was just right i really did i i thought they did a a good job how about you i know you're the silent hill guy here yeah i thought it was uh just a hair too much just a little bit. I think that um, they tried to cover too much ground too soon. Um, I thought like the merchandise stuff was to me it was a little unnecessary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking skateboard deck. Yeah, that, that was just a little extra. And I think that some of the announcements of like specifically Ascension and Townfall, I think those happened too soon. I think what we should have really had was probably uh, Silent Hill F, Silent Hill Two, and probably the movie stuff. Um, and that's, that really could have been it in my personal opinion. It, you know, I'm glad they're expanding the universe of Silent Hill and they're not just putting all their eggs in the basket of making one remake and thinking, okay, let's just see how this works first. Like, I think they know they have a really good IP that they can build on. Yeah. Um, but I think they tried to do a little too much in this one. Um, so I will say that now. Getting into um, the, the, the the big stuff, the remake of Silent Hill 2. Pablo, you texted me uh, and you said, yo, I think I'm a fan of Silent Hill 2 now. So uh, yeah. clearly that, mis- <laughs> that means that you were pretty uh, positive on this game. So talk to me a little bit more about uh, your impressions of seeing that trailer and just kind of how that left you feeling. Yeah, I just I saw the hill as a whole. I think it's like a vibe. I think that that whole entire setting is really cool. I I think that the 
the character design, the enemy design, all that shit is super dope. And so seeing that uh, with next generation graphics uh, with Silent Hill 2, uh, I thought that this game looked awesome. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it passed the vibe check, kids. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, I, it did a lot there for me in terms of it kind of, uh, you know, checking those Silent Hill boxes. I thought it, it, it did a lot and I like. I like the way the game looked. Now, obviously, it's all CGI heavy. There were some gameplay um, bits in there, though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little. Uh, but I, you know, I'm definitely a fan of what they're doing here. I want to play it. I'm really excited to play this. Uh, never played Silent Hill 2. And I want to experience this, you know, and I hope I experience. I hope that it's as good as it originally was. You know, I hope that Blooper manages to, uh, you know, to really deliver on on how good Silent Hill 2 is uh, for the people like Marco who are huge fans of the game when it first released. My only issue is it's Blooper, who they've done the medium probably being their best game and still being pretty mediocre. Um, they are working off a known quantity here. Uh, there are, There's a structure, there's DNA to the game that they can follow that hopefully they don't fucking fail on it. But um, I am optimistic that it's going to be good but i wouldn't be i wouldn't be completely surprised if this game comes out and it's not as good as we would want it to be just based on the pedigree of the team uh now they, they did say that the reason that blooper got it is because they are super silent hill fans and that they're the they were the most passionate studio uh in terms of wanting to do this so that that has to count for something because you know uh, they're they're horror fans for sure but you know maybe this is the game that they're gonna put their their passions behind and really deliver on it and i hope that's what we get here with Silent yeah. Hill to a remake yeah i think it, uh you know personally speaking i was pretty stunned by how great it looked um the the scene where you see him walking and there's like the building on the side but like it's you can see the fog coming like that that shot was that blew me away. I I might have let out a whimper again, but um, it was great. It was super <laughs> good, man. I thought that um, I was pleasantly surprised by the visuals, very much so. I thought that having Akira Yamoka back for the soundtrack was huge, 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 and that is a really good sign because it won't feel as jarring as it would have if they decided to go get somebody else that just kind of tried to imitate the original sound. Uh, so that's really yeah. important too. Um, I don't think that we lost the creep factor either. And that was a really big thing for me to see, um, you know, somewhere. And I think a lot of horror games are going to run into this problem in the future where with, you know, the, the uptick of graphical fidelity and the ability to make things look super real, you can kind of be more focused on that than making it look scary. Um, and I think that, um, this seems to do a really good job of of still maintaining that that gritty, grimy, scary look, but also looking like a technical marvel in some respects too. So I'm glad they have found yeah, yeah. A, a, at least from this trailer they found a good balance. Um, hopefully, seeing more of the gameplay, like it'll actually you know uphold that and maintain that quality too. Um, Facts. I think the one thing that the community has been kind of divided about is well, there's two things. And some of the community in Silent Hill, you know, they're, they're insufferable, like a lot of fan bases where, you know, any remake that is a remake that just just because it exists, it's automatically inferior to the original. Uh, it's like it's like that same argument of like the book was better when something gets adapted to a film. Like it's that kind of yeah. energy and it always annoys me. But one thing that I have heard consistently is that um, the 
character models and voice acting, some people prefer the original. I I don't think we have enough of a sample size to really determine that, but that's out there. How, quick question. Yeah. How would a character model... How would somebody prefer a character model that looks like a pollen, like a polygon mess of a fucking human? Like, it's like <laughs> I think they're, I think about? they're more talking about, um, and well, that leads into the second thing because I think what people are really, you know, hung up about is that there's less subtlety in in some of the game's scenes compared to the original gotcha. because there's more expressive faces and the camera shots are a little bit oh, different. See. Like the, the, the scene of him holding the noose and making that like yeah, really, yeah. you know, pain strained look on his face. Like that's very different from the game where that was just like a regular thing you did in the game to kind of move things along. It was actually a gameplay element to, you know, unlock something. Um, and they made this look like this really like you know unsettling scene, and I guess that bothered some people. I, I have to say, I think people need to relax on that kind of talk because, you know, with any remake, whether it's a Resident Evil game, it's Dead Space, or it's this, like they're all going to take liberties to enhance the cinematic experience of these moments in the games because that's the point of the remake, you know. Um, otherwise, people would be complaining about, well, it just looks the same. I mean, it looks better, but it plays the same, you know, and you wouldn't want that either. So I think people right. have to afford, whether it's Bloober or not, you have to afford them the the ability to take liberties like that and and just let, let, let's let just see where they go with it. And if you don't like it, guess you, what? You know, it doesn't it doesn't negate the existence of the original game. So I, I think people yeah. got to relax. And then, or you can just be you could be Kotaku and, and automatically call him a boring playing character without playing a lick of the game so there's, there's that, that yeah. as well love kotaku so much um how about the new mainline game pablo silent hill f 1960s japan yeah, what the fuck yeah exactly what the f was that i was like they close up on that girl's face and i'm like oh and then her face all falls the way off, off. And it just makes it disgusting. Like, oh my god! <laughs> I don't look. And then they said the person who makes this game, they put the name up front. There's a one name yeah. guy, not you know. He don't got first, so you know he apparently you know he's pretty he well known. Yeah, he writes like he wrote yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. story or but something. Like, I don't know much about him, but it's like Suda Fifty One. It's like, oh, this guy's called Suda. Jesus Christ, he's a nut. He's nuts. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how I felt when I saw the guy. I think this guy's name had a seven in it. I'm like, yeah, Jesus, like, this guy's crazy. Seven. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, uh, I don't know what to make of it. I think that there's uh, obviously a lot of, just a lot of vibes, uh, just pretty much kind of setting up probably the visual uh concept of what this game is going to be very colorful you know uh, a lot of red you know blood blood tinge soaked uh grounds like it just there's a lot there i thought that i couldn't really make a lot out of it but it looked cool and i thought that you know I, the fact that it's a new mainline silent hill game and they're really going for it and uh, uh, in terms of how it looks aesthetically. So, I, I mean, we'll see what that turns out to be. Um, but yeah, F is right. What the <laughs> fuck was that? That was crazy. Yeah, it's Wait. weird that they're um, expanding this beyond just the literal town of Silent Hill. Um, I'm, I'm really curious if this is somewhat of an origin story of of all this phenomena that happens in actual Silent Hill and that we're seeing kind of the birth of it maybe somewhere else or I, I don't know, but I think it's really intriguing that they are trying to uh, literally expand it, um, you know, globally. And I think that it's probably smart for a creative, you know, uh, 
purpose because you can only do so much in that town after a while. And eventually, you know, that that is going to get stale. It's like Resident Evil needing needing to get out of Raccoon City. You know, like you couldn't you can't stay there yeah. forever. Um, so I think in that kind of spirit, it is cool to see that they're taking that chance. But it is a bit on the bizarre side. And uh, I don't think we're going to see this game for a long time. But um, right. if they are ready to say, hey, this is our next mainline game, then I, I think that that means they're going to put a lot of uh, focus and effort into it and that it won't just be some like throwaway spinoff game. So that that brings me to like kind of my last question here. Did they? Maybe I missed it. Did they talk about release dates no. for a Silent Hill two uh, remake or or the no, other? No, they just have like a wish listed thing now. That's it though. No, no date. Because I I wonder how far off this game is that they didn't even mention twenty twenty three. I hope it's not that far. Right? I would imagine if it doesn't come out around Halloween time of next year, probably Q one of twenty twenty four. I I would I would wonder. Um, you know, it, it's going to be hard to tell because we don't know how long. It seems like Bloober's been working on it for for a good amount of time, but yeah, just said three but years. But I, I also know they want to really get this right too. So I mean, honestly, I yeah. don't care when it comes so, out. I just don't want it to be yeah, bloobered. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just but buggy I, and weird. But I wonder now. I wonder now if they maybe did too much too early because if this doesn't come out. Like, I, I was under the impression, this is just a me thing, where, oh, this game comes out soon. Like, Silent Hill 2 Remake comes out soon, just because mm-hmm. of they're showing it now, and then everything else is kind of building. Then the next game is, was the Ascension, the next one? Or Townfall? Town Hall? Or Town, Town Hall. Hall. I, yeah, I don't know which one's next, actually. It might be Ascension. Yeah, so, like, and, and the order they showed them is, like, and then, obviously, at the very end, you know, you can expect a Silent Hill uh, new mainline game. Uh, so, that's kind of the, what I thought, but if these are years away altogether that it's like, man, nobody's going to remember this presentation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There's but, a lot we have to learn about. I like mean, we also like how many times are we going to get silent Hill transmission streams? Like, you know, this is going to be once a quarter, once oh, a fair, year. Yeah. Like we don't even yeah. know what, like how often we're going to get updates period. So it, it's a lot. I mean, I think that's where the Konami weirdness comes into play of like, how seriously are you taking this? How invested are you with keeping in touch with us about the updates of the projects? Or are you just going to come around once in a blue moon and tell us what's going on? And we're still going to be like playing the waiting game forever because Konami is goofy like that. Like, there's a lot of factors about them just coming back into the gaming space in this prolific of a way in general, um, besides yeah. just the Silent Hill stuff. So it is a little weird seeing them this, this like front and center though, again. Like, I'm kind of like, glad they're back in in the fold like this but i'm also weird weirded out about it because i'm like i don't know if you guys know what you're doing anymore so it's hard to fully trust all these projects because konami's been so pachinko obsessed for so many years it's like yeah do you guys even know what's right for your ip anymore you know that's why the Shit. that's why the bloober team thing was so you know shocking at first because i'm like Ugh, guys do you even know that they're not the greatest but you know we got to just let yeah. it unfold eventually, and we'll just see how things land. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll surprise us, you know? Like, again, they said they're passionate about it, and if they're passionate mm-hmm. about it, maybe it'll, you know, equal something uh, that's great. Yeah. So can't I can't wait to, 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 to experience that, uh, and I hope that it's good for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that, that's going to that's gonna wrap up this week's uh, show. Until next time, don't forget to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time so that we'll always be in your FOV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
Yeah.